We'll start with our faith and exhortation exercise. Turn to someone, and in true Christmas spirit uh, this morning, let's, uh, let's, say, let's say it's time. It's time. Are you, are you convinced? Is it time? Is the time upon us? Let's, uh, let's think a little bit about, is there something in life uh, for which you would like some, oh, let's say some restoration? Or, or, some, or, or, some, or some advance, some sort of progress, some sort of door open or something like that? Think, I'll give you eight seconds to think about it. And is there something that kind of fits that for you? Can you think of something? You're having an easy time with this question. Most everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. You feel it? Think about it. Get it in your head. Now somebody's going to turn to you and say, oh, it's time. It's time. All right? You get it? You get the exercise? Are you feeling it? Now do it. Now turn and say, because now they know what it's time for. Now they know what time it is. Now they know what time it is. It's time. Now you know what time it is. Do you, do you think that's true? I mean, are you convinced that it's time? And if you're not convinced, why? Why? And if you're not convinced, then presumably you'd say, well, it doesn't seem like it's time, right? It doesn't seem like there's evidence that it's time or something like that. Uh, the juices are flowing. You seem in good Christmas spirit, but let's continue with our warm-up. Uh, uh, think of a specific Christmas memory from years past. How many of you have like vivid Christmas memories from years past? Yeah, this is something that tends to hang with us. We, we tend to remember our Christmases. Think of a specific Christmas memory from years past. I bet you have some because Christmas does that. What's a good Christmas memory that you have? Share. It could be, I suppose it could be a bad one as long as it's poignant. Jace. Coming home super sandy. Coming home super sandy from the Christmas, the Christmas Eve services. Cause, yeah, because we always had Christmas Eve on the beach at Blue Water over the last well, decade and some. And the reason we did that is because we didn't have a building to go to on Christmas Eve. And this... This is the first year we've actually had a building, so we had the service here. But Jason, do you miss a little bit coming home from Christmas Eve service all covered with sand? Because you kind of, you were formerly a little kid, and you got really covered with sand. And then you'd go home, and mom would have to hose you off before you went inside. Yeah, that was Christmas Eve at Blue Water for a while. That's a good one. That's a good one. Who's got another one? Finding the presents that mom had hidden. Because mom doesn't trust you enough to like put them under a tree. She's got to hide them. And then you go find them. And of course, they're the best ones, right? The ones that, that mom hides in the closet and under the bed and stuff. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. What else? Mint. Sharing the Christmas story with Indonesians that had never heard it before. Being in Indonesia, if you don't know Mindy's story. Just getting to, I mean, can you imagine just sharing the Christmas story with like a whole 
village of people, town of people who just hadn't really heard it. That would be kind of cool. That's worth remembering. Good job. Yeah. There was another hand over here. Yes. The Betty Moose, yeah. All the Lum girls getting Betty Moose for, for Christmas. Yeah, I've seen those photos. <laughs> kind of out of fashion. We've got to bring that back. We've got to bring that back. Yeah. All right, one more. Good, yeah. June? So the Camachos spent like 20 years almost in India, yeah, uh, and uh, celebrating Christmas Day in a place where there's no Christmas happening anywhere else outside of your family, yeah, and just kind of like, so yeah, because Christmas is so prevalent in our culture, even among non-believers, right, that uh, you take it for granted that there's an environment of Christmas around you, uh, but imagine how surreal it would feel being in a place where that's absolutely not true uh, and you need to bring it. That's fun. That's good. Uh, <clears throat> why do we have such poignant Christmas memories? Like, if I say, think of a Christmas memory, you can think of one. If I, if I ask you to, well, think of a Tuesday from your past, right? That might be a little, a little more difficult. And, and obviously, it's, it's due to this idea that Christmas is supposed to be special, right? So we imbue it with uh, specialness. We, we mark it in, in, in some special way. We create uh, memories. We have this idea that Christmas is supposed to be uh, a bit epic. Am I right? A bit epic. There is uh, an inherent promise in it. And like last week, we spoke about how the whole world resonates with this, right? The whole world embraces it. There's an implicit promise of restoration in it or an implicit promise of addition in it, right? That transcends the idea of finding mom's presence hidden in the closet, right? It's like, I mean, people really receive it in a transcendent way uh, around the world uh, such that even telling the Christmas story can feel kind of epic and, and kind of special. Uh, I, was, I was thinking of like, well, how, how do we tell the Christmas story in a way that's, that's epic this morning? And to be honest with you, I left all of my epic at last night's Christmas Eve, sir. <laughs> and at the Christmas, I got, I got no epic left for you people. I got, I got, I got no epic left. So, uh, so we'll, we'll share a few lines from the Christmas story in an epic way, like maybe, what, what's the most epic moment of Christmas? Well, I don't know, I'm probably, you know, like the literal birth of Jesus would have been epic, but we don't have any verses about that. Maybe when the angels showed up, right? That, that, that's pretty epic, right? The angels show up and say, yo, this guy is born. That would have been pretty epic. So we can do that. Um, I'm, I'm not very epic. So we need to put an angel 
in the sky. Who's a good angel? Oh. That, let's put Seth in the sky. Can we, let's, let's gear that down. Let's gear that down. Uh, John, John, Johnny would be, John, actually Joanne would be even better because she's, she's uh, a little bit more, uh, she's lighter in her epicness. So we got to get, uh, so we have to, we have to lift her up. Let's see, Jeremiah, you come. You'll understand why I picked him if you don't know. And we need, we need, a, we need, a, we need a host of angels. Um, you know who would be a real easy angel to lift would be, would be Kristen. So come on, like, you're born for this. Of course, of course, you are wearing a dress. We can work with this. And we need to, we need to hoist. Come on, come on, Jen. And we need, we need one more angel mount. You can see where I'm going with this. Look, so I'm going to go with Samuel, who's like, who's like probably the only guy in the building taller than Jeremiah. All right, all right. I think, I think, we're, I think it's working. I, I, think, I think it's working. Uh, we, need, we, need a, we need a script. So... You can be angel number one, and then you guys can both be angel number two when the time comes. All right, let's see if this works. The angels appeared in the sky. So, hoist. Yeah. Just, 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 just put her on your shoulder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Ah, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Wait. But, but they, spoke to, they spoke to shepherds, so we need like a shepherd and a sheep. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Aslan and Akka. You'll see why I picked this duo in a second if you don't know what I'm doing. There we go. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. And maybe, maybe, maybe over here, As. Let's stage this theatrically. All right. So, so the, the shepherds were out in the fields tending their flock. When suddenly an angel appeared and said to them, Reaction. I feel like I feel like maybe Akka's living the part. And suddenly 
a great host of angels appeared, and then, and then in unison, they praised God and sang out. All right, all right, there you go. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Thespians. Thespians. All right, that's it. I'm done. I got no more epic. That's I would, I, would, I would have enjoyed seeing Jeremiah host Seth. And <laughs> I would have been all, I, would have pretty, I, may, I maybe made the wrong call on that one. We might have gotten a better Christmas story with, with Seth Angel. Next year, next year. The birth of Christ, of course, was a, a super epic event, right? Um, and the expectation of it was epic because, because Jesus was a prophetic figure. He had been predicted in, by some count, hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament scriptures dating back to minimally 500 years before his birth and some uh, up to like 1,500 years, some even thousands of years. Uh, in the book of Genesis, we get allusions to Jesus, maybe the most famous of all the Messiah predicting prop prophecies are recorded in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet uh, whose book appears uh, in the Old Testament. He's called the Prince of Prophets. He was considered by the Jews to be uh, elite level, like the guy, the prophetic voice of their people. And in Isaiah chapter nine, um, there's this uh, messianic prophecy that you've probably heard before, although perhaps you could not quote it from Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. How's that for epic language? That's pretty epic. You have enlarged your people and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoiced in the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire, an end to all war, strife, death, blood. This is why. For to us, a child is born. You get a real sharp left turn in this prophecy. It's like this epic end. This light has dawned, the end of all war. Why? Well, a baby was born. That's what it says. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. I think I should have read, and his tiny little shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, which is an odd thing to call a little baby, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government, his order, literally, and the increase of his order and peace, there will be no end. It will be eternal. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, will be of the line of David, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How does that rate on the epic scale? Right? It's like all the world will be changed permanently as, as far as forever goes. And the way it's going to happen is that this baby will be born. And on his shoulders, in some inexplicable way, it will build uh, an order of things, a rule that will have no end, and it will be characterized primarily with, with peace. And you're going to call this little baby Almighty God. What? That doesn't even make any sense. Let's skip over that one, um, as many people did. But that was it, probably the most famous messianic prophecy uh, of all time. And all of the Jews living in Jesus' day would have known that. If not by heart, they would have been supremely familiar with it. And then what happened? Well, then, well, then the Christmas story that we know happened, right? And we know, because we've talked about it, this year, as we talk about it every year, that actually it was a fairly surprising story, right? The way it went down didn't feel all that epic. Well, that's the wrong way to say it. Actually, it was this bizarre combined tapestry of epic and anti-epic, right? Uh, I always say that the kingdom of God on earth seems like a miracle in a brown paper bag. It always has that dual quality to it, you know? Yeah. Um, you get moments where angels appear in the sky epically, you know, and our dramatic portrayal of it is now seared in your consciousness forever, <laughs> one of your Christmas memories. But, but that would have been pretty epic. Uh, and then you have some little peasant girl uh, betrothed to this day laborer giving birth in a barn, right, which would have seen life and death epic that way, but certainly not majestic, right, certainly not. And then their visiting dignitaries involve a bunch of dirty cowboys, which is essentially what shepherds were, uh, in off the range, stinking of God knows what. And so, yeah, it's this really strange combination and, uh, and it gave you wonder, you know, it would have given you great pause when they had seen him and spread the word concerning him that had been told them about this child, the shepherds. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Yeah, and I always wonder what the content of that amazement would be, because on the one hand it would have been like, whoa, angels! On the other hand, he was lying in a, in a dog dish, you know, which is what a manger was, a food dish. Um, verse 19 of chapter 2, Luke. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Do you guys know that line from the Christmas story? Has it struck you before? That's one that always leaps out and strikes people, you know. But, but Mary, in the midst of all that, this girl, you know, and she was 
a young teen at this point. We definitely would have called her a girl. She just gives birth to this child, and what she's doing is just, just taking it all in, in this spirit of reflection and ponder and, and dare I say, you know, confusion or mixed emotion, right? Because the story was this combination of you saw some angels and I just barely defied, uh, survived birth on a dirt floor, you know? It's like, whoa. And what she did is that she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, much like we always treasure up Christmas moments, right? Because we expect Christmas to be epic, right? We expect Christmas to be special, right? That, that is the nature of it. It is inherently promising. It inherently promises restoration. It inherently promises addition to our lives. Everybody who knows anything about Christmas feels it. And I think Mary would have felt it in that first Christmas. And if her baby was indeed the Messiah, which is what the angels had told her, um, if this baby was indeed the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9, that epic prophecy that I just read, the kid was going to end all war, was going to be called Almighty God, uh, this government was going to rest on his tiny shoulders and last forever and ever. I mean, if this was that kid, how odd it must have felt for her, how surreal the moment you know, must have been. And I imagine she would have benefited from somebody walking up to her in that moment maybe somebody older, somebody wiser, somebody with a little authority about him or her, you know what I mean? And just said to her, oh, this is time. This is the time. This is, this is it. This is it. Because there would have been something in her that would have been like, uh, really? Because it kind of feels like it's it, but it kind of feels like it's not it. It's kind of feel like it's not it. You ever had uh, one of those moments in life that was life-changing, but you kind of couldn't read it as such at the time, you know? And so she was kind of struggling, like, I don't really know how to process this. So she just kind of treasured it up in her heart, took a photo, and moved on. Took a selfie. Back in the day when we used to call selfies memories. <laughs> um, yeah. I always think that about Christmas. I always think that about Mary's role. It didn't seem so epic, but it kind of did seem epic. It certainly was epic, but it was also tragic uh, in ways that we understand uh, in, in retrospect. Anyway, the point this morning on Christmas is that maybe this is your time. Maybe this is the time for you. Right? You're thinking about restoration, you're thinking about promise, you're thinking about addition to your life. Why? Because it's Christmas and that's what you do. I guarantee you're thinking that. Right? Because it's Christmas. And you can't help it. You just can't help it. You could be alone in India with no Christmas happening around you and you would still be like, I kind of just feel a little restoration in the wind, a little promise, a little addition out there, a little bit, you know? You can't help it. You can't help it. And uh, someone older and wiser with a bit of authority about him is going to say to you, ah, yeah, this is the time. Yeah, you know, this is the time. I, it is. Why? Well, because it's Christmas. And what Jesus started there 2,000 years ago never ended. I have that on good biblical authority, right? Uh, and uh, 
you know, the Spirit of God that came to rest on him is in you, and, you know, we could go on and on, but we are people of promise, so this is the time for your life to change. This is the time, um, and maybe you just need to be convinced. You know, and, and Christmas is really helpful in that way. It's really, because you dare yourself, you allow yourself to hope and, and to receive and to have a little faith in a mystical way. That's what Christmas does. So maybe it is the time for that thing for you, even though it doesn't entirely seem like it uh, in the world. Uh, and so maybe you need to, to get on with it. Maybe this is your time for, maybe this is your time for living fully in that way that you imagine. You know, maybe this is the time for loving influentially in that way you imagine. You know, you invited 50 or 60 people to the concert. Well, maybe it's the time for 500 or 600. I mean, come on, get with it, Nalani. It was 26 you invited? Pfft, slacker. Oh. 260 next year? Orders of magnitude? Yeah. Sure. Loving influentially and epically, whatever that means for you. Maybe this is, maybe this is the time, you know, for launching into that mission, that enterprise, that, that uh, life change that you have in mind. I mean, maybe, maybe this is the moment, I'm just saying. Maybe, it is a, maybe it's upon you. Maybe that thing that you feel was promised to you a long time ago. Maybe this is the moment of fulfillment. You know, and, and you could just maybe go with that, you know. Um, maybe this is the time for you to do that thing. You know that thing? You know that thing. I know you know that thing because you were just thinking about it at the beginning of the sermon because I asked you, right? That thing that needs to be restored, that added thing. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe it's time for you to to do that thing or to be that person. You know that person that you were thinking about, that person of, that kind of looked like you, only better? You know, maybe it's time for you uh, to be that person, even though it doesn't quite seem epic enough. Maybe it is epic enough. Maybe today is epic enough, right? Maybe so. Maybe you just need somebody to hoist you on their shoulders a little bit. Oh, you might say, I don't know what to do, but you do, you do, because I had you think about it earlier. I, I called you out in a way. Uh, you might not know everything, but you know some of it. And maybe you could start today by, oh, I don't know, what could you do today? Maybe, maybe you could say that thing to that person that needs to be said today. You know, it's Christmas, so say it in a good, a good and generous way. Right, but maybe maybe you just need to, to say it today. Um, there's no time like the present. No time like the present. You think Mary said that to herself at any point during those few days of the original Christmas? Well, here we go. No time like the present. Joseph, sweep out the barn. Yeah. Joseph, what a guy. Um, maybe the waiting is over and, and maybe you just sort of take things as they are and make of them what you should. Uh, that seems to be uh, a great way to formulate the Christmas message. Maybe if you take things as they come and you make of them what they should be, 
maybe that's the way that God's promise gets into your life and the world gets changed forever in epic uh, fashion. Um, maybe you have everything that you need uh, to pull that off uh, this Christmas. So Father God, I pray in a spirit of thanksgiving and acknowledgement that uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth is always a miracle in a brown paper bag. Is always a fulfillment of centuries worth of prophecy in humble fashion. <laughs> and uh, we are certainly a humble people. Uh, not epic, but epic in our hope and our faith. I pray uh, for the mysterious outworking of your purpose in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would reflect uh, Christmas appropriately in the world. Uh, that we would be uh, people of faithfulness and wonder. People who have the answer but don't have to have all the answers. People who are uh, indefeatable. Um, even with our weaknesses. Uh, we trust in the prosperity that you have for us, Lord, knowing full well that we always have enough. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. no, everybody says, Merry Christmas. Yeah. One, two, three. Merry All right, there we go.